have realized that if there's one thing that's consistent every single time that I think about what it means to be all in, it comes back to covenants that we make as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And because I recognize through all of the interviews that I've done, you know, the power that comes from making and keeping covenants with a God who always keeps his promises. And, you know, we become so caught up in so many things in this life that can distract. I think that's one of Satan's biggest tools is distraction. But really, if you can just keep your eye on the prize in terms of, am I progressing along that covenant path? That is where happiness is found. I'm Sarah Jane Weaver, editor of The Church News. Welcome to The Church News Podcast. We are taking you on a journey of connection as we discuss news and events of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. What does it mean to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's the question Morgan Pearson asks those she interviews each week on her popular Latter-day Saint Living podcast, All In. She joins this episode of the Church News Podcast to share with us why she is an all-in member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and what she has learned as a Deseret Book author and interviewer and podcast host from the testimonies of other church members. Morgan, welcome today to the Church News Podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah. It's so good to talk to you and so good to be with you. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you about important topics of faith and family and finding joy. You know, you've spent so many hours in your professional life interviewing other people and sharing their stories. And I want to start today and have you share with us a little of your own story. Yeah, well, I guess we can start with I grew up in North Carolina. I know, uh, Sarah, your husband is a Tar Heel fan. We have that in common. (laughs) And um, so I think growing up in North Carolina shaped a lot of my story in terms of the way that I feel about the gospel and what the gospel has meant to me in my life. I think as a little girl there, it felt like I didn't have a lot of good examples of what the gospel in action necessarily looked like outside of like my parents. And so I think I craved that, but I also always felt this desire to feel connected to my faith. And so it's interesting because as a little girl, I remember every time that we would have an opportunity to like read church magazines or church news, I would devour it every month, every time that we got it in the mail. And specifically, I have this distinct memory of, you know, the friend magazine has like the friends in the news section. And it has like little pictures and bios of different kids from around the world. And I would read those and I would think, you know, if I had the chance to be friends with this person, who would I be friends with? (laughs) Because I just didn't have friends that were members of the church. And so I think because it's interesting to look back on that and to see how much that church published content meant to me, because it was like that was the thing that helped me feel connected to my faith. So I think as I grew up and ended up studying communication, specifically public relations at BYU in school, 
I had these opportunities to write and I interned with Church Public Affairs in Washington, D.C. and then with uh, BYU in the athletic department. And as I kind of started to develop these skills, I started to feel like, okay, there are opportunities for me to help other people feel connected to their faith in the same way that I felt that desire as a little kid. And I never could have imagined that we would have the chance that we've had with All In to actually, like, speak to people around the world and not only to, you know, speak where people hear my voice, but to have the chance, thanks to technology, to actually talk to people in other countries and have everybody feel like more a part of this international church. And so I think it's kind of interesting to look back. When I was in high school, I read a quote by Mother Teresa that has been my favorite quote ever since that talks about being a pencil in God's hand. And I think that in like a very literal way, God knew the desires of my heart and the fact that I just wanted to help other people feel that same feeling that you know, people like you, Sarah, were putting in work so that I could feel connected to my faith. And I just think that that's super important. So I guess that's a little bit of my story. And then most recently, I got married a little bit older in life. I was 32, almost 33, when my husband and I got married last year. So I definitely had the experience of being a single adult in the church. And that was super formative. So I just think, you know, it's interesting to look back and see the Lord's hand in my life, just as his hand is evident in so many people's lives. Morgan, can you just tell us a little bit about your podcast and what you hope to accomplish each week as you record those interviews? Absolutely. So the podcast, kind of the impetus for it was this desire to help people feel less alone in living the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we talk to all different kinds of people. Sometimes it's academics about a topic of expertise. Sometimes it's somebody that's had a really, you know, faith-promoting experience. We try to have a good mix of people that, you know, people would recognize their name versus people that just have incredible stories and people should know their name if they don't already And so the topics of conversation kind of run the gamut, but the connecting thread in all of it is, one, we try to talk about faith as it relates to whatever it is that we're discussing. But also, at the end of every episode, we ask, what does it mean to you to be all in the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it's been interesting for me because I, to be completely honest with you, thought we would get the same answer over and over again. I thought it would be like, it means to be committed. And instead, the answers, like, never cease to amaze me. Because I think, you know, what it means to be all in is different for different people. And it's different depending on the day of the week. And it's just been super inspiring for me to hear everyone's take on that question. And Morgan, you've also written a book based on that same question and some of those really, really beautiful answers. Yes. So we came out with a book last year. And to be honest with you, it was just, it was kind of selfish, the idea initially, because 
Well, I should say when it first started out, it was because we learned that some people were taking the last answer of each episode and like compiling the answers into like notebooks. And we were like, well, if other people are doing that themselves, like we should help them out and just make it easier for them. And it seemed like an easy product. But then the more that we got into it, the more work it became, as most things are. But the reason that for me, I wanted to do it in the end was because I was really terrible at keeping a journal throughout this experience. And at the time, I wasn't married when I was working on the book, but I kept thinking, someday I want to have something to show my kids, like, this is what I did during this period of life before I had you. And so it's really neat to think that at least I have that. And we tried to write it. I tried to write the the chapters. So I wrote little intros into each chapter, and then we had quotes to support the chapters. And I tried to write them in a really personal way, you know, almost as if I was writing to a friend, because I feel like that's what All In has been. It's me getting to spend time with people every week that otherwise I wouldn't get to. And it's funny because all the time people will say like, you don't know me, but we do everything together. But like we go to the grocery store together, we ride bikes together. And I'm like, this is kind of like a shame that all of these people feel like they get to spend time with me, but I don't get to know them. And so anyway, I guess it was kind of a an effort to help people know that I appreciated the time that they had spent with me and the lessons that we were learning together. And like I said, a a chance to kind of compile those lessons for hopefully my kids, if no one else, hopefully my kids will be like, oh, well, this is cool that our mom did this. I love that you said that because you and I spend a lot of time driving in the car together. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm honored. And Morgan, we first got to know each other during the four and a half years you worked for the Deseret News. This was before All In before you were doing any of the things you're doing now. But even then, I felt like you had this superpower that allowed you to connect with people about their faith and tell the stories of how their faith impacted their life. So it's been well, great. That is so kind. <laughs> it, it's been great to see you go on and do that in a way that has been able to impact so many people. Well, it's been a treat for me. I love people. As you know, Sarah, I just love talking to people and hearing their stories. So a lot of times it feels like almost a little bit of a selfish thing. I'm like, how did I get so lucky here? And, you know, when you look back and and I do want to talk to you about your single years and, and now what you've learned as you've been married, but I want to start more generally. I mean, because in, yeah. in your bio, you talk about being happiest when you're wearing sweatpants and and eating chocolate. But really, what does happiness mean to you? And and how did you find a place where you could just be happy in the moment? I think that there was a period of time, Sarah, honestly, it was probably around the time that I uh, left Deseret News and switched over to Deseret Book. I think I my life just was not turning out the way that I imagined. And I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to, you know, for a wide variety of reasons. But I think at that point I would have been 27 years old. And it's funny, I have this distinct memory of when I got home from my mission and I was 24 when I got home and I said to my aunt, you know, if somebody would just tell me 
Morgan, you'll get married in five years. I would just be like, great. And I just enjoy my life. And my aunt kiddingly said, Morgan, you will get married in five years. And I was like, you don't know that. (laughs) And the truth is, like, it didn't happen. You know, it took a lot longer than I expected to, to find somebody. And so I think when you get to that point where you feel like your life just isn't going the way that you thought it would, it becomes this opportunity to kind of look at, okay, it's not somebody else's responsibility. Even if I do meet someone and get married, am I going to be able to be happy independent of another person? And so for me, it took learning to be totally happy on my own. And I remember I had some different examples of women that came into my life around that period of time that were not married and were older than me. One in particular, Annie Hanks Langland, she was somebody that my sister knew from her mission. And my sister served her mission in Salt Lake. And Annie, one summer, I was kind of in between apartments. And she said, well, you don't need to rush into finding an apartment. Just come live with me. And so for that summer, I lived with this lady who was in her early 40s, was single. And I remember her telling me before I moved into her apartment, she said, you know, I I am happy in the situation that I'm in. She said, if somebody comes into my life and they add something to my life, then great. But as of right now, like, I am happy in my circumstance. And I remember thinking, like, that is a load of bull. Like, there is no way that that is true. And um, then I moved into her apartment, and I saw the way that she lived her life. And I will get emotional if I talk about it, but I just have never in my life seen anybody that was so consecrated and so service-oriented. And I was like... That's why she's so happy, because she literally spends all of her time thinking about other people. And that's a hard thing to do when you're single, because you don't have a husband or kids. And so these opportunities to look outside yourself, they take a little bit more effort. And I think I looked at somebody like her and I was just like, that is what I want to be like. The crazy part of that story is that She ended up getting married about three, four years later, and we are now cousins by marriage. So anyway, but I think that that period of time helped me see like happiness. It shouldn't ever be dependent on another person. So even though now I'm married, I'm so grateful for that time that I had to like observe other people and see what brings happiness because it's not your marital status. That's never going to be the thing that brings happiness. It's living a life of discipleship and seeking for opportunities to get outside of yourself and serve other people. Well, and I remember following you on social media during that time. And one of my favorite posts was a post you wrote about becoming an aunt you know, you, your little sister has a baby. And um, right. talk to us about that. So that was a really interesting thing. So my sister is five years younger than me. And she got married. Let's see, it was a long time ago now. So I think she's been married like seven years now. And 
So she had the first niece in my family, first grandchild, and I remember people saying, you know, there is nothing like being an aunt. And I believed them and hoped that that was true, but I also knew that being the oldest child in a family and having no marital prospects and feeling like having children was something that I wanted so badly, I worried that that would keep me from being able to feel that kind of love for her. And um, I'll never forget the day that she was born, I had this dream. And in the dream, there was this baby. And it wasn't like the baby was, like, talking to me or anything. It was just literally... I remember seeing this baby and I felt so much love for her and I woke up and I called my mom and I said, I think that Kaylee's baby came to me in a dream. And my mom was like, well, Kaylee went into labor this morning and like, I don't know how things work in heaven, but I really feel super strongly that my niece came to me that morning because she wanted me to know that she loved me and wanted me to love her. And and she and I are still really, really close. And I'm really grateful for that. And for, I mean, there are so many things that are like that, where it was like Heavenly Father just letting me know he was aware of me and of the things that I was struggling with and the desires of my heart, because I wanted to love that baby, you know? But I also won't pretend like that was a one-and-done situation. I remember when she was blessed, I flew across the country for her baby blessing, and that day was really hard on me. But that night, I got a priesthood blessing, and that priesthood blessing answered a lot of questions that I had and kind of put my mind at peace. And so I just, if you let the gospel of Jesus Christ play a role in your life and let God know the desires of your heart, you will never question that he's aware of you. And for me, I think those little things were testaments of his love. Well, and I want to talk to you about that in more detail, because I think anyone who works in communications or has an experience where they are telling the story of the Church of Jesus Christ has times when things start to work out that probably should not have worked out or were things that <laughs> we were worried about turned out so much better than we ever could have hoped. And I want to talk to you, you know, you mentioned it, but I really feel like the Lord is in the details of both the work that we both do and in our lives. Absolutely. I completely agree. And I think too, Sarah, especially when you care about it, like I think you and I both care about it. It's like something where, I mean, there have been stories where I want so badly to get it right that I can't sleep the night before the story is supposed to come out. And so I think it definitely, you know, the more that you care about it, the more that it matters, but also the more that God knows how much it matters to you. And this really doesn't mean that life is perfect or that we don't have questions. And so I I want to talk to you about your approach to doubt. What do you do when you come across things that make you doubt? 
I think that's a really good question. I think by nature, I am a believer in that. I don't know if you've ever done the strength finder test, but it like asks you questions and then breaks out your strengths. And I took that a few years ago and it says, so it breaks them out into quadrants. And one of the quadrants is relationships. And four of my five top strengths were under relationships, but my number one strength was belief. And I think that that's something that I don't take for granted because I think that that's a blessing and a spiritual gift of sorts, but I will not pretend like there haven't been things that come up and I'm like, that doesn't really sit well with me. And I think I am somebody that I don't necessarily like shy away from the thing that is hard for me to understand or the thing that causes doubt or instills doubt in my heart. Rather the person that's like, okay, I've got to get answers for this. And so whether it, I think polygamy is one that like just doesn't sit well with a lot of people. And for me, it's like, okay. And I think part of it too is I'm lucky in that I know people that are way smarter than I am. So for example, if I have this question that comes up as a result of my job, often an email to a friend that's like a church historian who I know has dug into this stuff way more than I have. And I'll ask my question and usually they're gracious enough to like provide resources and help me better understand. I think some people, the approach is I just don't want to deal with it. So I'm going to pretend like this isn't happening or this never happened or that it doesn't affect me in some way. And I think my approach is more so okay, let's just take this head on and try to understand it. And as a result, try to not only like from a secular standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint. So praying about that thing or studying the scriptures with that question in mind. And I think one thing that I should probably add, I think I'm very conscious because of my work of the importance of going directly to God. And by that, I mean reading scriptures or saying prayers or studying conference talks more than listening to other people's voices. And I include my voice in that (laughs) Um, because I think it's a dangerous space sometimes where because podcasts are very easy and accessible and people can, you know, stick their AirPods in and they can listen. And maybe it's like a little bit more of an enjoyable approach to the gospel that it can be like, oh, well, I don't really read my scriptures or I don't really pray, but I listen to podcasts. And for me, I feel like those additional resources that we have as a result of technology and you know, the work of so many gracious members of the church who have put time and effort into creating those things. I think those things are great, but they should only supplement the gospel for us. And I think because of my work, I try to be really conscious of how much faith and energy am I giving toward those direct sources to God and how much am I giving to these other voices that can sometimes be more convenient. Uh And now I want to shift 
I really want to talk to you about the last few years of your life as you met your husband and got married and moved to California. Yeah. So, so much happened. It, it feels like in, in such a short period of time. But tell us a little bit about your marriage. Well, believe me when I say it, it did not feel short to me, Sarah, because <laughs> we dated for a good little while. It was just, it was in the middle of COVID. So I think that made things interesting because a lot of people didn't know that I was dating anybody and we definitely weren't about. <laughs> so I just, we didn't really see a lot of people. I think he always tells people we didn't eat in a restaurant together until we had been dating like nine months. Wow. Um, so we met as a result of All In, which is interesting. His sister-in-law listened to All In and told him that he should listen and ask me out. And <laughs> and he was like, I have no idea who this girl is. You don't know her. Like, no way am I reaching out. And um, he didn't know this. But in the meantime, the sister-in-law reached out to a mutual friend of mine who then reached out to me and said, would you be open to being set up? And I said, you know, who is the guy? And she sent me his name and I looked him up and he was cute. And she said, you know, I don't know him, but I know he comes from a great family. I know his sister-in-law is really great. And so I was like, yeah, you know, this friend is somebody that I really trust. So I said I'd be open to it. Well, then I never heard anything from him, which was because he had no idea that that conversation ever happened. And so fast forward a few months, and I guess he finally decided to give All In a chance. He listened to an episode or two, and then he sent me a message on Instagram. And because I recognized his picture... I was maybe a little bit more friendly than I would be if it was just some random stranger. And I think I like asked a question in response to his message and we started chatting back and forth and we actually went on one date pre-COVID. He was in Utah for Christmas visiting his family. We went out and I really liked him on the first date. And so much so that when I got home that night, I texted a friend and I said, for the record, this guy is going to go back to New York because that's where he was living at the time. I said, he's going to go back to New York and I'm probably never going to hear from him again. But just for the record, this is the kind of guy that I like to date because there was just something different about him. And I had gone on way more dates than I care to admit. And I just like immediately, there was like a difference in his countenance and his confidence and his kindness. And I think that he's really handsome, but he didn't act like he thought he was, you know? And so just like I predicted, he went back to New York. He was working really long hours and we just kind of lost contact. But fast forward to June, 2020, COVID brought him back to Utah and I was in North Carolina in the first few months of COVID and then ended up coming back to Utah. And so he was like, well, if we're in the same place, like, should we go out? And so we went out the second time and I liked them just as much as I had liked them the first time. And we did not stop dating. I guess we did break up for a short period of time. I won't bore you with that story, but... <laughs> I think dating during COVID, I heard somebody say that it's like dating in dog years because you really get to know the person really well because it's like 
you're not around other people in like these big social situations. It's mostly just a lot of talking and spending time one-on-one or with family. And so we got, we got to know each other really well. And like I said, we dated for a good little while and ultimately ended up getting married last year in March. And I think marriage has been even better than I expected it to be. I often tell people that I think if you married the wrong person, now that I've experienced what marriage is like, I understand why it would be incredibly difficult. And so I'm so grateful that I didn't rush into marrying somebody else or tried to force myself to like somebody else, which I think is a real temptation the older you get. I'm so grateful that I held out for my husband because he is my best friend. I love spending time with him, the way that he thinks. I love getting his opinion on things. I love the way that I feel like we function really well as a team. And I just, I can't imagine my life without him. And so I feel like marriage, when you marry the right person, is like heaven. And I understand why if you married the wrong person, it would be the opposite. But I'm really, really, really grateful. And, you know, I think the one thing that you and I share, we have some friends who tease us and tell us that my husband and I are uncomfortably open. It's so easy for us to share the details of our lives because I do that for a living. Right. And I often ask people to share the details of their lives. So I feel like it's important for me to do the same and be open with my own. But how does that feel when when you post some things or feelings or emotions on social media? Well, I think one thing early on, before we were ever even really serious, I got in the habit of asking him to read the things that I was posting before I ever posted them so that I made sure he was comfortable with whatever I was sharing. I'd say my husband is definitely more private than I am. He doesn't like social media in general. He actually hasn't been on social media since right after we got married. And so... Just by nature, he's a more private person. And I think it's also kind of affected me in that I think I've become more private as a result of that. But I have tried, you know, I'm one of these people, Sarah, where I I remember a few years ago I had a blog, and the blog actually was doing fairly well. But I am not somebody that can force myself to say something when I don't have something to say. And so people were saying, you know, you need to blog regularly. And I was like, I don't have anything to say. And I'm the same way on Instagram. If you if you follow my Instagram post, I think I post like once a month because I only like to post when I feel like I have something to say. And it's been interesting since getting married because, I think as a result of having been single for a long time, I'm very sensitive to the way that posts about people that are happily married can make somebody that is single feel. And so I have tried really hard to be sensitive of the fact that a lot of people followed me because I was in the same life situation that they were in. And I never want to be like, oh, here I am, like made it out on the other side, you know. I think I'm very much the person that wants everybody to feel like there's hope in their lives and there's a 
reason and a purpose for everything that we experience. And so when I have thoughts that I feel like would be helpful, I try to jot them down and have my husband read them and make sure he's comfortable with anything that I share. But I think that's the way that I've tried to handle that situation. And, you know, I think people, there's something about you that if you're not friends with you, you just feel like you are. That's the kind of person that I want to be friends with. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of person that I feel like I am friends with. And it's the empathy and the thoughtfulness and that reflectiveness that appears in so many of the things that you have written. You just came through the holidays. Talk about some of the feelings you had as you experienced the holidays, being married, but being thoughtful of past holidays when things were different for you? For sure. Well, first of all, Sarah, thank you for saying that. It means a lot to me. I think it's interesting to think back. I actually told my husband, I think it was Christmas Day, that I remembered two Christmases before. Because we had dated for a while, we had spent a couple of Christmases together. And we actually got engaged on Christmas Eve last year. And so... I had had a couple of years of holidays with him, but I told him that the Christmas before we met, I remember coming down the stairs on Christmas morning, and my parents, like a lot of parents, I think, I still had a sister who was 13 at the time, and so it was like, okay, everybody line up on the stairs, you know, like, Morgan, come down first, and I was like, 28 years old, 29 years old, and thinking, I am the world's biggest loser. My parents are, like, setting up the video camera, (laughs) still acting like they are, you know, parents of a young child, and to their credit, like, loved me so much that they were still willing to do the whole Santa Claus thing for me. But I think back to that time and just, recognize how much like we never know what God is doing in our lives and the way that he's orchestrating things. And sometimes like there's this tendency to want to throw in the towel and just be like, you know what? Things have not worked out the way that I wanted them to. One of my favorite talks is by President Eyring, the law of increasing returns. And in that talk, he talks about a girl who, you know, tried so hard to keep her covenant and to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then one day there was a guy in her apartment building that had invited her over a few times and she just decided she was done trying. And I can't say that, like, I ever got to that point, but I can see how one would arrive at that point. And recognizing that we never know what's right around the corner for us. And so if we are, if we do get to that point where it's like, I just want to throw in the towel, we would never know what we missed out on. And so for me, it was actually that Christmas that I got that message on Instagram from Benjamin. And we ended up going out right after New Year's. And so looking back and thinking, man, like, what if I was just like, I'm done. I'm done trying. And instead, you know, I got this great blessing. And I think God has blessings in store for all of us. And maybe it doesn't look like, you know, a husband. But I think 
back to 2018 and when I switched from Deseret News to Deseret Book and they were like, you know, do you want to be involved with this podcast that we're trying to create? And I was struggling around that time. I had dated a guy and we broke up and one of my first days at LDS Living, I sat at my desk with tears just dripping onto my keyboard because I just felt so lost in my life. And it wasn't just dating. It was everything across the board. Felt like it was not going right. And again, had I thrown in the towel, I never would have had this chance to be a part of this podcast that has been such a blessing in my life. And I never would have had you know, 200 plus conversations with people that have changed my life, you included. So I think that when I looked back this year on holidays past, I just felt grateful that I didn't give up because I think all of us, like there are blessings just around the corner. We just have to hang on and hope on and if we make mistakes you know repent and get back on the path it's not that we have to be perfect along the way but I think there's so much to be said for just trying and moving forward and I think that is such a sweet sentiment I think all of us have these times when we think I thought this would be different I thought this would be easier you know, I have a saying and it drives my husband crazy because I say there's there's no easy days. And he says, well, of course, there's easy days. We're we're the luckiest people anywhere because we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I do think even that knowledge doesn't mean that sometimes finding a path or understanding or coming to know what the Lord wants for you is a really hard thing. And it um, is. You know, I know you've interviewed so many people as they have found their path. What have you learned from the testimonies of other people? I think this is a really important thing for me to reflect on from time to time, because I don't want to learn all of these things from different people and then forget about them. But I think years ago, I read a book by Patricia Holland, A Quiet Heart, and in it, she talks about how we place these artificial barriers between one another because we think dependent on our demographic, our marital status, that we can't relate. And so we think, oh, well, that person is going through this. They can't relate to me. I'm going through this. And the thing that I've learned from interviewing all these people is that we're all learning the same lessons. We're just learning them in different ways. And that the Lord is so aware of us and the things that we're capable of. I find it ironic that several people have pointed out that we often go through the thing that we're most scared of. And Elder Bednar's daughter-in-law was recently on the podcast, and she said that she has loved watching the way that the Lord has helped make her greatest fears, her greatest teachers. And I think that that's true. I think that the things that feel like the thing that would be the scariest to us, or ironically, sometimes the things that we're capable of taking on. And so for me, like, I never imagined having that experience of being single, but I think it's something that I could handle, and the Lord knew that I could handle it and that I would be able to learn from it. Likewise, I think the other biggest thing that has been formative in my life has been 
having siblings that have left the church and I can see how that has refined me and made me hopefully a better disciple of Jesus Christ and a better sister. And so I look at all of these people and it's like, man, this thing that maybe you were scared of or you thought you weren't capable of doing, look at you, you know, you're doing it. And the Lord enables us to do those things. And that's when we talk about the enabling power of the atonement, that is exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about the ability to do things we never thought we'd be able to do. And that is what the gospel of Jesus Christ helps us do. It helps us become our best selves. And so I've loved learning from all of these different people and seeing the way that God helps them become so much more than maybe they could become on their own. When we think about becoming, we, we look to the future and, and all that the Lord has in store for us. I think all of us want to have a family and happiness and joy and develop testimonies that can sustain us through times that are hard. Tell us what's in store for you in coming months. We're at a really interesting point in life. I think a period of change after a lot of years that felt like I was stuck in the same circumstance, and I think it's because I had to kind of learn some things from that. I feel like now it's like life is coming really, really fast, and so my husband and I are actually expecting our first baby in May, and it's a little girl, and we're very, very excited about that, and then trying to figure out, you know, what life looks like long-term, especially with a new addition to our family. But that is where we're at right now. Congratulations. What a wonderful, joyful time this is. I remember it being also a little scary time. You you really want to to be good at being a mother. And yet there's also a little bit of fear associated with that. Absolutely. I think it's an interesting thing to have watched so many people that I was close to and loved and cared about go through this, the experience of pregnancy, and now looking back and realizing I had no idea what they were going through and also just like how emotional it is on top of, you know, nausea and everything else that comes with pregnancy. But I think for me, it's been I don't want to do anything wrong to like mess anything up. And I feel like I want to be prepared for when the baby comes. And I think I've gained a a lot greater appreciation for women in general. And for my mom, you know, I was almost 17 years old when my mom had my youngest sister. And so I remember her being pregnant and, She never let on about how hard it was, and she just kept being a great mom to me. And so now I feel like I just, like, appreciate that a little bit more. But, yeah, it is is scary, and you feel like your whole life is going to let up to this moment, and her whole life is going to depend on whether or not I – mess up too badly in the first little bit. But I keep hearing lately that you actually can't mess up too badly. So I'm just taking that to the bank. 
I have to agree with that. I just don't think <laughs> that that you can mess that one up. And, you know, as we close today, I actually want to ask you two questions. First, I want to hear you answer the question that you ask all of your guests about what it means to be all into the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then I want to turn and end with what we always end with for the Church News Podcast. So what does it mean to be all into the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, I think that if I had to boil it down, which I think it's nice for particular guest on our show, because it's like we're asking you on a specific day at a specific time what this question means. And I've been asked this question now a handful of times, and I'm like, it always changes for me. But I have realized that if there's one thing that's consistent every single time that I think about what it means to be all in, it comes back to covenant. And the covenants that we make as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I think covenants have come to mean a lot more to me because I recognize through all of the interviews that I've done, you know, I recognize the power that comes from making and keeping covenants with a God who always keeps His promises. And so being all in is keeping our end of that deal, keeping our promises, because we know that we're making those promises with a God that always keeps his and, and there's power and there's confidence. And, you know, we become so caught up in so many things in this life that can distract. I think that's one of Satan's biggest tools is distraction and making us feel like other things matter so much. But really, if you can just keep your eye on the prize in terms of, am I making and keeping covenants? Am I progressing along that covenant path? Am I keeping my end of the deal? Like that is where happiness is found. And that's like you asked me earlier about happiness and joy. And I talked about, you know, living a life of service. That's because that's one of the covenants that we make at baptism to mourn with those that mourn and comfort those that stand in need of comfort. And so as we strive to progress along that path, that's what it means to be all in to me. And at the Church News Podcast, we have a tradition where we always ask the same question, what do you know now? And it feels like it's a very similar question to being all in. But we always end with that question and give our guests the last word. And so as we wrap up today, I just want to tell you how wonderful it's been to talk to you, how grateful I am to have had the opportunity to learn a little bit from your journey and the interactions and the lessons that you've learned and then ask you, what do you know now that you've learned from being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Well, I appreciate the chance, Sarah, to talk with you, and it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. You're such a bright light, and I appreciate all the work that you do. Sarah will be embarrassed that I'm saying this, but so many of you will have no idea how hard Sarah works for the content that is being put out there, like I said, to help people feel connected to their faith. So I hope that you. that you know how much that's meant to me. I also am grateful for the chance to reflect on this question and what do I know now that I am grateful for. I think that one thing that I have just become increasingly aware of is God's awareness of us as individuals. And his care for us, his desire to help us come home to him, 
I think that, you know, as I've gotten to experience family relationships in a lot of different contexts now, we feel such a desire to have strong family relationships because they give us a small taste of the way that Heavenly Father feels about us. And I mentioned, you know, my niece earlier, but I feel the same way about my siblings and my husband. And now, like, we have a bunch of nieces and nephews on his side of the family, and I've been amazed by how much love I have gained for them. And I think that those Family relationships just give us a little taste of how much Heavenly Father loves and cares about us. And I'm excited to become a mom because I feel like that's another step closer to getting to feel that love that Heavenly Father has. But I think that if we look more and and are more aware of His hand in our lives, even when it feels like he's maybe not as aware of us. If we look, we will see him time and time again. And we'll also see the way that he loves and cares about those around us. And that strengthens our testimony and helps us draw closer to him and gain greater confidence in his ability to work in our lives. And when we look and see those things, it helps us keep going. It keeps us from that Like I said, that throwing in the towel, and I'm so grateful for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the way that it reminds me of the little things that help me see Him more on a day-to-day basis, and for the way that it helps me, guides me along in my personal discipleship, my desire to return to live with Him, and hopefully in the process helps me be better in those relationships that are cultivated to help us know and become more like Him. You have been listening to the Church News Podcast. I'm your host, Church News Editor Sarah Jane Weaver. I hope you have learned something today about The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by peering with me through the church news window. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. And if you enjoyed the messages we shared today, please make sure you share the podcast with others. Thanks to our guests, to my producer, Kellyanne Halverson, and others who make this podcast possible. Join us every week for a new episode. Find us on your favorite podcasting channel or with other news and updates about the church on thechurchnews.com.